Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word this morning, we would like to leave this place saying, I will trust in thee alone, in your endless love and in your mercy. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for being with us. We, we do not stand alone when we preach the word. And when we open your word, you are there to minister to us. And Lord, I stand in great need of you and your aid and your power this morning. And so, Lord, I commit to all that I have to you. It is from your word, but Lord, I pray that you will take and use it for your own glory and to your own praise. In your precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, what a strange world it would be if we didn't have faith. If we couldn't rely on our cars to take us down the street, if we couldn't rely on our money to purchase items in the shops, what a world it would be. What, it would, what it, a world it would be if we couldn't trust one another, if nobody's word meant anything. And some people in this world lock themselves up, don't they? They hide away. They won't enter out because they're so paranoid, so worried about things out there, the other side of that door. They have lost trust. They have lost faith, faith in themselves, faith in society. And it's something we need every day. It's something that uh, when we were learning about love in the last verse, it, it said, now abides faith, hope, and charity, which is love. These three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. And so this side of heaven, we need to grow in these three things, charity, which is love and hope, our hope becoming more firm as we grow, and our faith, which also should become stronger as we grow. We start small from faith and we grow in faith. We saw in the life of David a couple of weeks ago, him bringing before our viewing 2 Samuel 23, the mighty men who stood, stood against uh, an un, uh, a foe that was far too big for them, 800 men, and standing there with a sword, standing in a field, standing against the foe in the name of the Lord. And it dawned to, um, it dawned to me that these men would have been there in the valley where Goliath was, and David was the only one that would go forward in faith to meet the giant. And so what changed these men that now are mighty, now are, are trusting in God? It was because they saw the faith of David, and they saw the God that he trusted him, that he was reliable, that they themselves could find uh, strength to go forward in the name of the Lord. Like Joshua and Caleb, when they came to the promised land, and they said, yes, we're able to go. We, we can go up today. But the people, through unbelief, would not enter. And so we see there the opposite, the polar opposite to faith, which is unbelief. It cannot inherit eternal life. It cannot inherit anything from God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and the reward of those who diligently seek him. We saw also that faith is a shield, a shield against the fiery darts of the wicked one. A shield not only to defend us, but also to make a stand against the evil one. And also, 
as we walk in faith, we walk forward with that shield. So you can gather my subject is faith this morning. And we see that without it, it is impossible to please God. Saving faith, that is so different to just believing something is true. You see, when we have saving faith, there must be knowledge. There must, must be some information given to us for us to have faith in. Would you believe something you didn't know about or understand? That's why the word of God says, how shall they hear? How shall they know? Well, a preacher's been sent, a preacher to preach the gospel. Knowledge is so important to faith. It's not just a, a poke in the dark or just believing something because it sounds true. It, it, it's based on, on reason. It's based on knowledge. There is also a response to that knowledge. It's no good knowing something, is it, and not agreeing with it or disagreeing with it. And then if we know it's true, it's no good just staying there and saying, well, I know that's true, and I believe it's true. No, there needs to be a response. There needs to be a trust a reliance upon uh, that which is put forward to you. And so knowledge then is important. It has those three things attached. Knowledge, approval, and trusting. But there's also knowledge where we don't approve. Where we say, no, I don't believe that. Or I don't accept that. And this is where so many are today, unbelieving. Not believing the word of God, which is sure. Not uh, seeking to know the word of God, which is able to make them wise unto salvation. And so because there is no approval but a rejection of, of God's word, then there is a persistent non-action. I will not respond to that. It's very dangerous. Uh, Hebrew says, take heed, lest you have in you that evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. And it's interesting, these three things coming together, because our faith is precious. And that's what I've titled this sermon. Our faith is precious, precious faith. And why is it precious faith? It's because the knowledge that we have to believe comes from God, through his word, through his revelation, what he has revealed to man throughout the ages, his dealings with man, his provision for man in salvation. In history, Christ came and died for our sins and rose again for our justification. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. It is a fact of history. There is knowledge given to us and promises also to come. And so our knowledge comes from God. So we can't say, well, it's something that I made up. If it was, it wouldn't be something reliable to believe in. The knowledge came from God. And also our ability to repent, to turn from our sin. We can approve that God's word is true. Like Paul says, you know, the word of God is, is good. The law is good, but I'm a sinner because I break the law. We can approve then God gives us the knowledge of sin through the Lord. He says, without the law, there is no knowledge of sin. 
And so we have this knowledge of sin which we approve of. Paul says, I approve of God's law. It's right, it's just. But in my inward man, I, I don't, the good I would, I, I do not. He finds this evil working within him. But the wonderful thing about God is, is he has provided us the power to turn from our sin. And so it's all of God. The knowledge is all of God, and the power to turn from our sin is of God. And then our trust in him, personal trust. He says, believe in me. He asks you to believe in him because he gives you the power. Peter says, uh, John says, he gives us the right, the power to become the sons of God. And so the knowledge and the revelation, the repentance, the, the, the believing, is because God has given us, God who made us has given us that conscience, that awareness of sin, so that we can turn to him and repent and believe. And so the Christian's faith can be simply described as this, trusting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know in the lives of people uh, like Nicodemus, he knew, he said these words, the, uh, the same came to Jesus by night in, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Nicodemus knew. He saw what Christ was doing, and yet he wasn't a Christian. There is knowledge. He later became a follower and a disciple of Jesus. He later put his trust in the Lord Jesus. So if you've got the knowledge that the Christian faith is true and, and right, are you trusting in the Christ of the Bible? Are you resting and relying in him? There was another man, Agrippa, King Agrippa. Paul was before him. And here he is before this powerful king. And uh, he, he speaks. He says, um, for, king, for the king knoweth these things before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of the things are hidden from him. For these things were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou, believest you the prophets? I know that you believest. Then King Agrippa said unto Paul, almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except without these bonds. That's in Acts chapter 26. Here was a king who, who knew what was happening in his land. He knew what had, what had gone on. He knew the scriptures. He knew what the prophets said. And yet he was able to stand that other side of the fence. There was a sense that he had knowledge and he also assented that it was true but he wasn't going to trust in that knowledge. He wasn't place his personal trust in a saviour. 
So we know then that knowledge is a gift to you. The power to repent is God's grace to you. Saving grace and, and saving faith is all of God. Without the law, there's no knowledge of sin. And no man, as Jesus said, can come to me except the Father draws him to him. Without grace, we know that no one can be saved. And so in Hebrews 11, we saw what faith is. Hoping, seeing, looking, believing. It's the assurance in God's word, in what God says he will do. And so those people who trusted in him, and I'm not going to preach this passage, but those people, we can see that Abel offered, Enoch was translated, Abraham left his own country, and Noah built an ark. There was action attached to their faith. James says, faith without works is dead. And so you can see in the lives of these people that miraculous, wonderful things happen. For Enoch, he was translated from this world into heaven itself, being changed in a moment as we were one day in a twinkling of an eye. He stood in the presence of God. One minute he was on earth, next minute he's in heaven. And it was by this wonderful trust and walk with God. He walked with God. You see, he lived a life of walking and following and, and serving God. And that's what God calls us to do. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith makes a strong stand. It hopes. It sees. The faith works things out. It has courage. It's an anchor to the soul. And so we see that there is certainly full and heavy weighty substance in faith in what we hope for. But our believing or unbelieving doesn't change God's plan or purposes. If we don't believe, God somehow hasn't changed his plan. It hasn't gone away. Not believing God doesn't mean that you will not face his judgment. It just means that you've rejected his testimony. You've set to your seal that it's not true. You do not rest in it. The Jews, they were given the law. That was knowledge. The Gentiles were given the law of God in their hearts. That is knowledge. The knowledge of good and bad, right and wrong. So that we might know that we are sinners. And just because we ignore it, because we ignore our failings, because we just say, well, this is just the way I am. It doesn't change the fact that God sees. There is nothing which is not known or seen by God. He sees into our hearts. And Paul says in Romans 3, What advantage then hath the Jew? What profit is there in circumcision? Much every way, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. They had the oracles of God. God had blessed them in particularly amongst the nations of the world. And then he says, what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And his answer is this, God forbid. Let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your sayings and might, might us overcome when you are judged. God is true. And the Jewish people felt privileged we have knowledge. 
and yet they sought to establish their own rules and righteousness instead of relying upon the righteousness of God that had been revealed to them. This is an error, living our lives as we deem fit and best, not submitting to the rule of God. See, the gospel we see in Romans 1 was given for this purpose. Paul says he'd received his grace and apostleship, verse 5 of chapter 1, for the obedience to the faith amongst all nations. God is looking for obedience to his word. He is, he is giving his son, he is giving his revelation, he is doing mighty works, and he's now looking for that obedience of faith. There's many references to faith in that chapter, and I picked up on verse 12. Paul says that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Paul wanted to visit them at Rome, and he wanted to share their faith together, to enjoy believers' fellowship. And that mutual faith is an edifying, comforting faith that we have. Isn't it a comfort that we can come to church and find fellow believers, people that love and trust in God as we do? And then in verse 16... We see the power of faith, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. There's that word believes, those who rely, those who trust, those who have faith. There is power in believing. And then he picks up on the verse which is found in Habakkuk and which is found also in Hebrews in Romans 117 for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith here is the idea that as we believe we grow in our faith and more faith is added and then he says the just shall live by faith that is the verse that you'll find there in those two other references that are mentioned faith then is for the obedience Faith is seen. Remember Barnabas. It says he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. He was a comfort then to Paul as he fellowshiped with him, as he knew him, as he saw God moving in his life. And he felt that nearness that he knew to God and his faith. It, it encouraged others, just like David did when he made a stand of faith. And we see then... What was the result of that? Paul says in Acts 11, verse 24, and the latter half, and much people were added unto the Lord. See, this type of faith brings results. If we live a life of faith, others will be affected. It's a faith which is seen. We have to ask ourselves, is our faith a faith that transforms our lives, that changes our priorities, that moves us uh, to do things that we do, not because we know they're right, but because we do them in love. Faith which is seen. Remember that great uncovering of the roof and those four men letting down that paralytic. How Jesus said in verse 5 of Mark 2, he says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
And we saw that the scribes were reasoning in their hearts. And, and Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he says, whether it's easy to say to the sick man, thy sins be forgiven, or say unto you, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But then he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto you, arise and take up your bed and go your way into your house. You see, he says, that you might know, that you might have knowledge, you in this room that are, are witnessing what's going to happen next, when this man's going to walk, that you might know that the Son of Man has power. But did they believe? They had knowledge. They had a, a, a first account witness. And yet sin and that evil heart of unbelief will still raise up his fist against God and say, I will not have you to reign over me as Pharaoh did in Egypt. Faith which is seen then. Faith in action. We see that the woman who was diseased with that issue of blood for 12 years came behind and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And she said within herself, that is faith reasoning, isn't it? She said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. And Jesus turned about, saw her and said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. God saw her faith in the crowd. God saw her reasoning in her heart. Where did that reasoning come from? Because she knew what Christ had been proclaimed. He was manifested to Israel. The king has come. The, the, the works that he'd done was noised abroad. People knew what Jesus had done, the miracles. And she reasoned in her heart, he can do that for me. She had personal trust in the Savior. And so she received Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, we cannot receive anything from him. Without knowledge, we will die in our sins. God has given his knowledge gracefully to us. What about faith in action that makes you marvel? The centurion who, well... He says, and Jesus was entered into Capernaum. There came a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am an under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And he goeth, and to another, come. And he cometh. And to my servant, do this. And he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. You see, Jesus saw amazing faith. Faith that was prepared to take God at his word. 
wanted nothing more. Remember Peter saying, at your word, we've been fishing all night, Lord, but at your word, we'll go out. This is what the centurion was doing. He was saying, just say it. You who spoke the worlds into being, you, you who, who will speak to Lazarus and you'll rise from the dead, you, all you've got to do is speak. God is giving us his word, the Bible. Do we digest it? Do we believe it? Do we say at your word? It's a challenge to us to grow from faith to faith. There is faith then which doesn't mature. I believe that. I know that. But it doesn't mature into any action. We see that in Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left unto us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. There's the knowledge being proclaimed. As well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Being not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. This is a terrible shame, isn't it? That people know King Agrippa and many of others like him know. And they don't do like Nicodemus did. Doesn't, don't go on to true faith, true, true trust in the Saviour. Disciples failed in their faith. Jesus said in Matthew, he says, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove from here to, to another place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And we read in the Acts, many impossible things happened through the God of the impossible when people trusted but the disciples, we see, couldn't help this man. He came, this man kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, sore vexed and often falling into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring me him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And his disciples came to him apart to Jesus and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus makes it very clear. See what Jesus says? Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. For I say unto you, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed. The disciples, not seeing the works of God done, because their trust of the Saviour had failed. It's in hard times that we must trust God. Habakkuk, he was told to set himself a watch. He was told that the just shall live by faith. In Psalm 73, the psalmist went into the house of the Lord and he, he poured out his complaint before the Lord in his heart that the wicked seemed to prosper and the righteous seemed to suffer. And God showed him the solution to that problem. But it took the word of God, it took the Holy Spirit showing him and teaching him that the wicked will always be judged 
and the righteous will always be vindicated. Faith in difficult circumstances. Peter tells us that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. 1 Peter 1. And then in verse 7, he says, The trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found pray to, unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, in whom have we not seen you love, in whom though now we see him not, you believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of of your soul. So we're looking, we're hoping, we're going through trials, but God is refining us. He's showing us what it is to suffer in an evil world for the faith and to be counted worthy of the sufferings of Christ. When Paul was in the prison rejoicing and singing, when he was chained, when he was hungry, and God moved, and God shook that prison. But he was rejoicing in his struggles, he was rejoicing before the earthquake. He was rejoicing that he was counted worthy to suffer in the sufferings of Christ. Faith can go through difficulties. And the Bible is full of those who have struggled in their faith. But it's better to have a faith and reliance in God which is small than to have none. Because that small faith can grow. So we must have a faith then that holds on, a faith that looks up, and a faith that overcomes. We know that the Lord Jesus shows us the greatest example of faith. He is called the faithful one, the faithful witness, the faithful one. Faithful to his Father's planning heaven to come as our saviour and our redeemer to be humbled to grow up and to learn wisdom and knowledge and then put his trust fully in that wisdom and knowledge so much so when the devil came to him in the wilderness he says it is written and he showed that he was trusting fully in his father to do the works of his father to do all that his father came to do. He received a commandment from his father and he knew it off by heart. I have power to lay down my life. I have power and the right to, lay, to take it up again. And this is why he came into the world that he might lay down his life, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God, to die as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But that meant that he was going to have to trust his God in the garden. He would, he would be in agony of tears. He would be sweating great drops of blood. And, and he, he, he would be facing this with tremendous faith and reliance on God. When he, when he hung on that cross and, and, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt the separation that sin brings upon the sinner in his own life. When the wrath of God was poured out on him, he had to believe and trust the commandment that he was given. He had to believe that his father would raise him from the dead. That all that God had set out to do through him, that was purposing heaven, that was worked out on earth, and that happened on that cross, he had to believe and trust in his father all the way through it. God knows about faith. 
and knowledge and trust and reliance and belief. And so there's a rest for God's people. Are you resting in God's faith? There's a trust that we must have which must be unshakable. It doesn't matter if your faith is small this morning. Is it in God? Then it will grow. And learn his word. Learn to trust it. Have a faith that others see. Have a faith that reaches out through the crowd. Have a a faith that God knows about. Have a faith that when the odds are against you, when there's 800 standing there, you are able to say, with my God, I'm able. Let's go out against this giant. Let's go out in the name of our Lord. These things abide, don't they? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but we need faith. We need faith that changes the course of our lives, that puts us on the right path, that leads us to God and to trust him. If you're going through troubles, we all do. If you're going through difficulties, if your faith is small, then as the song says, cling to the rock which is higher than I. The last song we're going to sing is... O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul, my God, like you there is no other, true delight is found in you alone. The second verse reads, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's a claim there. Strong defender of my weary heart, my sword to fight the cruel deceiver, my shield against his hateful darts. My song when enemies surround me, my hope when tides of sorrow rise, my joy when trials are abounding, your faithfulness, my refuge in the night. May God bless his word to us this day. Amen.
And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Heavenly Father, your words to that man with his son in such a way was, believe me. There was a challenge there. And when he acknowledged his unbelief before you, you just said, simply believe, and you will find peace and rest. Heavenly Father, we pray that this day that you will have spoken to us and we will have learned something from you that we need to trust you more, we need to lean harder, we need to know that you are a trustworthy God, a faithful one, and that whatever we are facing, we can trust you fully. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is life-giving, life-giving power. As we trust it, we find an entrance is open to us. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Lord, your word is what keeps us. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation. Lord, we depend upon you for the word is a person. The word became flesh. The word is Jesus. Lord, I do pray as we ponder this this day, that you will strengthen our faith. And Lord, that we will, as your word says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That we will know that overcoming faith. He, what is this? Who is he that overcomes the world? It's, it's our faith. This is how we overcome. Lord, keep us faithful to the end. We pray this in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Part us with your blessing now. Amen.